Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Epiph, good morning. What is good? Uh, It is a good Sunday to worship Jesus together. Psalm 113 says, from the rising of the sun, to the setting of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. And I'm so grateful for another opportunity, another chance to fix what I messed up yesterday, to rep Jesus in a, in a, in a crazy way today. And if you're on today, if you're piped in and uh, I don't know where you are in your house or in the world or in the car and subway, wherever you are, if you're piped on, you have an opportunity today to represent Jesus and to worship Jesus. Those of you who are in this room, y'all ain't got to be quiet. The fact that you made it here today to worship says that the Lord gave you another chance. Can we just give Jesus praise wherever you are in your house? Just like worship Jesus. Take a second. Because we serve a God that gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity from the rising of you never not saw the sunrise. It might have been cloudy outside. It might have been raining, but the sun always rose. And that means that God gave you another chance every day to give him glory. One of the ways we give him glory is through the word of God. And that's my responsibility. So grab your Bibles, devices, laptops, iPads, um, whatever it is that you have. Go to the New Testament. The book of Mark is where we're going to spend time. Once you're in Mark, go to Mark chapter 10. We're going to hang out there. Uh, We're in our second week of a sermon series that we have entitled Close But No Cigar. We are looking at the many ways that our behavior seemingly gets us close, but we fail to obtain the prize called heaven. And the only way we can obtain that is if Jesus Christ takes us across the finish line and You know, in the 20th century, this idea of close but no cigar uh, became popular in mainstream dialogue. And we started to use it whenever we saw somebody, you know, almost make it or missing it by a hair. We would say, ah, close but no cigar. And I think through the next, well, now three weeks, but throughout this four-week sermon series, we will be uh, redeeming this dialogue of close but no cigar and trying to look at all of the ways behavior modification gets you close but doesn't 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 get you all the way there all right let's jump in i'm eager to preach i'm just gonna jump right in verse 17 we're in mark chapter 10 i hope you were there verse 17 is where we're gonna hang out familiar story if you have any church background pick me up verse 17 and as he meaning jesus was setting out on a journey a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not fraud. Honor your mother and father. And he said, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. Would you underline that? That's going to become really important. Verse 21. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. It means you're almost there. Here's what to get you over. Sell all that you have, get, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult 
will it be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed by his words. And Jesus said to them, again, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. We'll stop there. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Almost Doesn't Count. Would you do me a favor and just type that in the chat room on Facebook and on YouTube, Almost Doesn't Count. Let's look to the Lord and ask for his help as we dig in. Uh, Father, we are coming before you because we realize that there is one thing for sure that we need, and that's consistent exposure to your word. So would you speak to us today? Would you transform our thinking and transform our behavior and transform ultimately our hearts as we are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Pray that Jesus will be heard, felt, and seen today. I pray for somebody, I don't know who it is that just happened to be scrolling. Maybe they were sent the link this morning. I don't, they just happened to stumble upon us today. This is their first time. Pray for that one person that doesn't know you, that, that's far from you, that doesn't profess faith in you. I pray that they would hang out for just a little bit today as we talk and discuss the things of God. And would you, would you save them? Would you, would you transform them? Would you ransom their hearts because they need you and they may not even know it. It's in Christ's name we pray and give all glory. Amen. Y'all do me a favor in this room and don't, don't use your inside voice. Act like we're outside. So if you could scream out, almost doesn't count. Almost doesn't count. A little delayed. You were a little slow on the uptake. Let's, let's try that one more time. Just scream that out. Almost doesn't count. Almost doesn't count. I hope you're screaming that at home as well. Uh, every Friday, Ty and I, have a standing breakfast date. Friday is my day off. I, I, I work hard during the week to, to try to clear everything off my calendar as much as I can so that Friday I can just have a chill day. And so, I don't know, man, for several years now, Ty and I have spent every Friday together where we, we don't put anything on our calendar. We sit down and we have breakfast with one another and we talk about whatever it is going on, you know, in the world and you know, in, in marriage and in family and in life. And we catch up on stuff that we forgot to tell each other during the week. And, you know, we laugh and we joke. I'll let you in on a little bit of our conversation this past Friday as we were sitting down having breakfast. We were talking about the ebbs and flows of parenting teenagers. You know, I'm now in that season. I was talking to Gabe today and, you know, he's in that toddler season and he's trying to figure that out. You know, I'm in that, that raising adult season, trying to get them out of the house. And it's time. It's, it's the Lord is good. He's one is already out. I got on my Morgan State uh, paraphernalia today. He's down in college and uh, my youngest son is doing his thing. But we talked about like how difficult it can be. Now, this season of parenting is just different for us. We also talked about Dave Chappelle's uh, Netflix special, The Closer, and all the controversy that is surrounding that special. And uh, is Dave Chappelle funny? Is he not funny? I actually think he's one of the greatest storytellers. Uh, he, he doesn't tell jokes. He tells stories and then adds jokes in them. But I don't know how you feel about him. Either way, we talked about Dave Chappelle. It's me and Ty's breakfast date. I'm just letting you all in. That's what we talked about. Uh, we, we also talked about the differences that we see in culture uh, 
And the differences that we see between our generation and how we were brought up and the next generation after us, the younger, younger people. And as we were talking about generational differences, Ty began to spark up a conversation about how our generation viewed the artist Brandy and how the younger generation views the artist Brandy. It's so interesting in our generation, Brandy was the superstar of the family. And if we were introduced to, to, to Ray J, the brother, we would always say, oh, that's, that's Ray J, Brandy's brother. But this new generation, Ty, let me in that they did. First of all, they didn't know that Brandy and Ray J were siblings. But second of all, if they introduce, they say this is Ray J and they say that's Ray J's sister, Brandy, showing who is the most popular one in the family. And after the conversation, it led me down a rabbit hole of listening to Brandy. I personally think she's one of the greatest uh, vocalists. And I didn't say the greatest. I said one of the greatest vocalists. They don't call her the vocal Bible for nothing. And so I, I started, started from the first album, self-entitled Brandy. I listened all the way through it and went to the se second album, Never Say Never. And there, there's a track on there, the, the fifth track on her Never Say Never album. I think it came out in 94. The, the, the fifth track on that album is a song, Almost Doesn't Count. And in this song, she, she really goes through all of the moments in life, the almost moments in life. Y'all ever had those almost moments where you were almost close to something? She's talking about this relationship, and she goes down all of these almost moments. Almost made you love me, almost made you cry, almost made you happy, and she's going down the whole thing. And the, the song is about a relationship that is almost perfect. The relationship is, is close. It's missing a few things. There's some distance in, 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 in the, the perfection. And, and in, the con in, in the song, in, as she's talking, it felt like a conversation. But in the song, she's saying this relationship is almost there, but almost doesn't count. And when I <laughs> Gabe says sing it. And when I, when, I, when I replay my life and I think about all of the almost moments, there have been a few things in life that I almost was there. I, I almost made it. For example, when I was in high school, uh, I played football. I was pretty good, you know, in, in, in that time. And uh, I know you probably can't tell anymore, but I, I had some skills on the football field, bars. And um, I was being heavily recruited by a Division I college, uh, really top college in the nation, and they were interested. And I was, I was so close, and it just didn't work out. I didn't go to that school. I almost made it but almost doesn't count. I didn't actually make it. Likewise, I tried to time it perfectly. I checked the app on my phone and tried to see how far the train was. And I saw that the train was three minutes from the stop across the street from my house. It's literally across the street. And so I ran out the house and I went to get on this train and I realized I left my mask. So I had to run back in the house and I grabbed my mask and I put it on and I ran back into the subway. And as I was entering the subway and going through the turnstile and going down the steps, I heard the train coming and I get to the platform and I get to the door and the door closes. I swear somebody on that train was laughing at me because I'm just sitting there at the door asking the conductor to open it. He ain't opening the door and the train pulls off. I almost made the train, but almost doesn't count. We arrive at a passage where there's a young man. We would call him the rich young ruler has an almost moment. But it, it's not like me trying to make the train. That's, that's, that's nothing. I caught the next train that came seven minutes later. 
This almost moment that this young man has is almost making it to the kingdom. But unfortunately, he doesn't make it because he is, has a high allegiance to worldly materialistic stuff. He's more concerned about human stuff. He's more concerned about earthly stuff. But I don't want to just run to the end of the story and say he didn't make it. I want to look at the story and look at how close he was. Based on his behavior, based on his action, based on what he showed us, his merit, based on his character, based on his integrity, you would think he should have made it. In fact, let's go through the story and look how close this young man was. Verse 17 says, and Jesus was setting out on a journey and a man ran up to him, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This story is unique because this is one of the few stories that is actually recorded in all three synoptic gospels. Synoptic gospels mean same, but not every story is in all three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Sometimes one, story, one, one of the writers will tell it where the other two will leave it out, or two will tell it and one will leave it out. But we're privileged this morning because all three writers write about the rich young ruler, showing us it might have been an important story. But all three of them give us a different nuance to the story. For example, we're in Mark today, and Mark is going to highlight that the man is rich. He says in verse 22, for he had great possessions. So Mark highlights his wealth. But if you go down to Matthew, Matthew is going to highlight that he's young. If you go down to Luke, Luke is going to highlight that he's a ruler. And so what we get, if you put all three of the Gospels together, they're not in contradiction. You get a little something from each one of them. And if you put them all together, we can gather that this guy was a rich young ruler, but underneath all three of the Gospels shows us that he's not just rich, he's not just young, and he's not just a ruler, but he's desperate. He's desperate to get an answer. He's desperate to get before Jesus. He was willing to um, uh, uh, risk his reputation in order to get to Jesus. You got to understand there's some things that he does in this passage that rulers didn't do. Rulers didn't have to run. Rulers didn't kneel before somebody, but this rich young ruler found his way running towards Jesus, which shows us urgency, kneeling before Jesus, which shows us humility. Despite his social and economic status, he was willing to risk it all in order to get an answer. He does not go to his broker. He does not go to his accountant. He does not go to his financial advisor. He realizes that there is one source that can give him the answers, not just to life, but eternal life. And he runs to Jesus. And what we can gather from his desperation is that there are some things that money can't buy you. There, there, are, there, are, some, there are some questions that money does not have the answer to. You can be rich and unhappy. You, you can be rich and unfulfilled. You can be rich and unloved. You can be rich and in desperate need of Jesus Christ. Don't you dare find fulfillment in materialistic stuff. Don't, don't you dare go through this life and try to hold on to the trinkets of this world as though it can answer the question that only Jesus can answer. Money can never fill, fulfill that void that only Jesus can fulfill. This man in, in the text is desperate. And, and some of us, I, the reason I have to say this, because you know how New York is. You, we live in New York. This is the place you come and make it. 
Well, you try to you get on your grind in order to secure the bag, but securing the bag never answers the questions on eternity. Even the rich man knows I still got to get before Jesus. And let me suggest that one of the ways that we get close but no cigar is when we try to run to stuff to answer questions that only Jesus can answer. And this man understood that. He ran straight to the source, a.k.a. Jesus. But not only does he run to the source, when he gets there and kneels, I'm intrigued by the question he asked. Because the question he asked is an important question. The question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were like this rich young ruler that was running to Jesus, that was kneeling before him in humility, and we were asking questions about eternity. Lord, help us to be people that are kneeling and asking questions that have long-lasting impact. We live in a time where we really run to Jesus for temporary matters. We run to Jesus for temporary stuff. Many of us go to Jesus to to try to make it through the day. And I'm not saying don't go to him to make it through the day. We go to Jesus to make it through the month. And we go to Jesus to make it through the year. But I want to run to Jesus to make it through eternity. And this young man understood that. He doesn't go and ask him, how can I get more wealth? He doesn't just take a problem, an earthly problem to him. He says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Help us to be hungry, not just for life here, but after life. Help us to be hungry for eternity, for spending time with you. Help us to be hungry for the things of heaven. You know, what's interesting, you know, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. So why are we not asking the question about eternity? What are the things in life that, that hold me back from eternity? What are the things that hold me back from spending my, my every moment with you in heaven? What are those things? And this rich young ruler, he runs there in verse 17. And he asked, and, and you know what's interesting? He looks like a rock star. He, he does. So far, if we didn't get to the end of the passage, you would think he got in. I mean, he, he clearly got it. He don't care about his reputation. He is running. He is kneeling. He's asking the right questions. What could possibly be wrong with this young man? He seems like he got it, not just got it, but he almost looks like he got a VIP pass to backstage of heaven. Like he, he got special access because of his character. And his character, you know what's crazy? His character goes from really good character to even better. It, it, it gets even better. I mean, look, look, look at verse 19. So he asks, how can I in, inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, you know, the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud anybody. Honor your mother and father. And the young man said back to Jesus, he says, teacher, all these I have kept, not just for the week, since my youth. Since I was a young boy, I have kept your commandments. The rich young ruler says, what can I do to be saved? And Jesus is like, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud anybody and honor your mother and father. And the young man is like, JC, chill. I have done all of that. I ain't killed nobody. I ain't slept with nobody. I ain't ever stole anything. I do not lie. I don't defraud anybody. And I honor moms and pops. See, he says, I'm good. Open the doors of heaven. I got my question answered. I am good. And this shows us once again that he is closer to the kingdom than many people think. 
he, he seemingly, see, if, if he could get in based on behavior, and this is a strong if, but if he could get in on based on behavior, then he's good. He looks like he should make it. After all, he's keeping commandments that most people don't, ki- that most people don't keep. I mean, this is, this is entry level. The Ten Commandments are entry level morality. And it almost looks like the rich young ruler is able to make it. And he's almost there. But, oh, he misses out on a technicality. Jesus does not give Ten Commandments. He only gives six in the passage today. And the six that he gives them, he probably knows, I know you kept these, but I'm going to hold off not just any of the, of the commandments. I'm going to hold off the first of the Ten Commandments based on Exodus chapter 20. What is the first of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. Clearly, this young man was securing the bag, but the bag was also securing him. The bag was his Lord, the bag was his God, and he breaks the first commandment. And it's so interesting when I read this, Jesus is like, man, don't do this. Don't kill nobody. Don't kill. And he's like, I'm good. But Jesus is like, ah, but you don't know. I left one off, and you have not kept up with that one. It almost looked like he's there. It almost looks like he's close, but almost doesn't count. I don't know if we realize how prophetic Brandy was. Tag, this guy is so close. And let me help somebody out today. Just when you think you are close based on behavior, Jesus can always point out the one area that you're still struggling with. Anybody ever been there? When you think, you, you ever got prideful? You're like, oh God, like this is the season. Like I am, I am killing it. I am up in the mornings. I am praying. I am fasting. I, you know, I got on my, my Jesus blood shirt and I'm, I'm telling people about Jesus. Me and God are cool and Jesus can always in that moment find out something that you need to do better. Too many people have this fickle entitlement idea that just because I haven't smoked, then God should expect, uh, accept me. And just because I haven't had sex, then God should accept me. And just, just because I haven't vaped, God should accept me. But salvation ain't based on you going hard in the paint. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Nothing in that says merit. Nothing in that says behavior. Yes, we behave, but we don't behave to be saved. We behave because we are saved. Now, let's be careful here. Because when Jesus pops off the Ten Command- or the Six Commandments, really, when Jesus pops them off, he is not showing this man that, th- that the commandments are a means to salvation. Ah, I got to work here for a second. Because oftentimes what we think is we think that we get in based on list keeping. As long as I can check that list off, as long as me and that list are good. But you know what? Following rules really leads to one or two things. If it was just based on the Ten Commandments, it either leads to pride. I'm killing the list. Or it leads to despair. I messed up. I can't keep the list. And it's so interesting. The Ten Commandments, I'm not even dealing with all, just the ten. The simple moral entry commandments, even those we're not giving as a list to show you that you have to keep them to be saved. They were given to show you that you can't keep them. And that's why you needed Jesus. Oh, gosh, I don't know if you understand this. Jesus is able to keep not just ten. 
Jesus kept 613 laws, never messed up, never broke them. And so Jesus giving these, the, giving this man an opportunity to respond based on commandment, Jesus is like, I know you kept those, but the, the, the commandments really are, they're, they're a list of exposed that you cannot keep them. But we need Jesus because Jesus is the only one that keeps them. This man got a 90 on the test. Sounds good in earth, right? My, my son called and said, yo, I got 90s on the test. I'm like, PhD, here we come. Like, I'm, I'm all over it. But, but, but a 90 to a God that ex- only accepts hundreds. Like, like God, there is no error. Can, there no, no error can be brought into the presence of God. God does not take 90s. So the fact that this man missed one of them, he's, con- he's condemned. And you know what's interesting? No lie, we don't really get 90s on the test. Even if you kept nine of the 10, we got a zero. Because James picks it up in James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point is guilty of it all. So in, in God's uh, judge, he don't judge and grade on a curve. You got a hundred or a zero. You either saved or you are lost. You are either free or you are still bound. There is no middle ground to a holy God. And so God wants hundreds, but this young man, he just exposed that he has another God and the God is called his bag. He's like, you can't get in like that. You got a God already. What, what do you need me for when you already got a God? Let me go ahead and bless your life this morning, boo-boo. Every one of us failed the test. None of us make it in. None of us make it in based on behavior. But I, I love uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. Here is how the gospel works. You got a zero. Jesus got a hundred. He stood on the cross, gave you the hundred, and took your zero. Somebody should be worshiping Jesus right now. Because I fail, but Christ passed. I messed up, but Christ succeeded. I made a wrong decision, but Christ is victorious. Praise the one that gave me the hundred. And you know what's crazy, man? How do we have pride when we all got zeros? How do we have pride when really if you stand before God, he already is going to condemn you. But we stand and we pull out Jesus' hundred. There is no pride in that. Nobody beats their chest in heaven. How? You ain't make it in because of you. And so he says to the young man, did you murder somebody? Like, nah, I'm good. Did did you steal? Nah, I'm good. You honored your parents? I honored my parents. You defrauded? I did not defraud anybody. You commit adultery? I ain't slept with, I'm a virgin, I'm good. That's what we think. And he's like, ah, but I got one. How about the gods before you? Is there anybody before you? Let, let me go a little bit deeper. You know, people that celebrate the almost, because there's some people that are satisfied with almost. I ain't got to make it, right? Now, I'm not talking about heaven, just in life. I ain't got to make it, but if I get close, then I'm good. And you know what? Really, people that celebrate the almost are very judgmental. They judge everybody else that's far back, as though they made it across the finish line. But the only thing that makes us across the finish line is when Jesus slips us his test and then takes our zero. And that's exactly why I praise him. Look, look at what the text says. It says in verse 20, he said to him, teacher, all these I kept. Oh, I'm good. And Jesus looked at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. There's the almost. 
Go sell all that you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasures and have uh, treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to him, said to his disciples, how difficult will it be for, him, for, for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom? Then the disciples were amazed. Jesus said to them, children, how difficult is it going to be? Uh, it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And they were exceedingly astonished. Who can be saved? And Jesus says, with man it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. This man made a choice. And his choice was, I choose temporary wealth. When Jesus just promised him riches in heaven eternal riches. In my house, there are many, many mansions, and he's almost there, but he lacks one thing, and he walks away sad. He walks away sad because he realizes, I still want stuff. You know, I'm thinking about um, uh, uh, Zacchaeus in, in Luke 19. I, don't, I didn't know I was going to go here. Luke 19, read it on your own time. When Zacchaeus is up in a tree, and Jesus is like, make haste today. I'm coming to your house. His natural response was to take everything that he defrauded and give the people back that he messed up four times how he defrauded them. Whenever God does something in your life, he ain't got to tell you to be generous. It's natural. This man is stingy. He's like, no way. Give it to the poor. Do you know how wealthy I am? Do you know how many possessions I have? Do you know how rich I am? I'm not going to do that. And oh, he missed it by a hair. He almost made it. He was close. But almost doesn't count. And I want you to lean in right here, Epiphany. Because what he does is he accepts, he accepts stuff instead of Jesus. Hear me and hear me clearly. Don't waste your life on stuff. God, please, if you, don't, if you don't hear nothing else, if you take no other notes, please don't put in jeopardy, that, uh, jeopardy heaven for materialistic stuff. The, the most expensive thing that you own is fleeting compared to eternity in heaven. I will give it all up. And I'm not preaching a poverty gospel. I believe that you should work hard and I believe that you get as much money as you want to. And please be generous to those uh, who are in need. Please be generous to the church. I just felt like slipping that in right there. That ain't, you know, that is not a prosperity church. I promise. I just want to slip that in. Don't put in jeopardy heaven because of stuff. Don't waste your life running after things. Don't, don't, don't be enamored by the trinkets and the shiny objects in this world. Don't you dare choose a job over God. Don't you dare choose a promotion over God. Don't you dare choose a relationship over God. Can't nobody answer the questions of eternity like God. It won't satisfy. That, that void that is, that is in your life, it can't be filled with stuff. Many rich people will tell you, I'm not rich and I'm not one of them, but rich people will tell you, that stuff is fleeting, man. You know how many rich people are, are deal with depression and anxiety? Because the, the void can only be filled by God. Let me tell you something. You don't want to miss heaven because of stuff. It's going to be the dopest party. I mean, Jesus is going to be there. I mean, he's going to be on his throne. We all just going to be worshiped. Like, Every tribe, every tongue, 
every nation. I don't know how we all going to know each other's dialect, but somehow when we get a new body, we will be unified and the universal church will all be together. And we'll be singing the same song that the angels are singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. You don't want to miss that party because of a car. Don't want to miss that party because of a promotion and a job. Let me tell you something. The Trinity has three spots, three seats, and they're well taken. The Father, Son, and the Spirit. There is no room for your Bank of America bank account. There is, there is no room for stuff. It's not the Qua Trinity. It is the Trinity. And every seat is well taken. Jesus don't want your heart part-time. This young man walks away. And he is sad. And I begin to ask myself earlier this week when I was reading this, what are the things that I'm hanging on to? What has my heart divided? What has me running from Jesus instead of running to Jesus? Because look at the man here. He walks away. Sorrowful. Notice away. Away from where? Away from Jesus because he chose stuff. And when I was reading this earlier this week, I was convicted I begin to ask myself, well, God, I ain't rich. So what am I? What is my little G God? What is my idol? What is the thing that I am running to instead of running to you? And Jesus begin to just moment of confession. Jesus begin to show me that one of the areas that I care more about sometimes. God, I can't believe I'm even say this. One of the areas is personal image. I care about how people see me. I care about how people think about me. I care about how people perceive me. I don't like to be misunderstood. And after a while, that becomes my idol. And I would hate to stand before God. And he'd be like, great job on the church. Great job with the family. Oh, but you're missing out because you were your God, not me. What? That's me. I put myself on blast. What is your God? What is the thing that you are running to when it says he walked away from Jesus and he was sorrowful? How have you walked away? What are the things that holds your heart? What, 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 are, what are the areas that, that, that you give God part-time and then part-time you close it off? I know you're sitting there going, Pastor B, don't, don't, don't challenge me to see if I'm really a believer. Now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourself to see if you're of the faith. Then it goes on to say, test yourself. I refuse to stand before God and hear him say, almost. I want him to say, well done. You've trusted in my son, Jesus. You ain't try to earn your salvation. You ain't run to it and try to white knuckle it. You've trusted in Jesus. That's what I want to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. The party's popping. That's what I want to hear. I refuse to walk away from Jesus because of stuff. Who is it today that's logged on that you're, you're like, you know what? I'm almost there. I got an almost to, I got an almost moment. Listen, eternity ain't the place to play those almost games. Come on, you can play something soft. It's not the place we can do that. You should not play with your salvation. And somebody on here today, you've logged on and you've, you've logged on over and over again. You've, it's something that, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really all the way there. I'm almost there. I like the lights and the camera and I, you know, I like the worship team. Pastor B, he, I, Something keeps drawing me. Trust me, it's not the lights. It's not the camera. There's many churches that have way better lights and camera. It is Jesus that is drawing in you. He's drawing you in. He's wooing your heart. He's trying to get you to walk away from materialistic stuff. 
And for some of us, it's, it's, it's not money. It's not. It's just, it's something. But I don't want to stand before him and, him say, and he say almost. Because I learned almost just don't count. I don't want to almost make it. I want to make it. But what secures me in my faith is knowing that the blood really works. What secures me in my faith is knowing that Jesus, what he accomplished on the cross was enough for me to spend eternity with God. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there is somebody, you're stuck in the almost. Life has been a cycle of almost. And we do that on lower levels like earthly things, but the worst almost is almost making it into heaven. But you can make it today. Somebody type this in. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Father, I thank you for the ability that we have to engage your word. Father, we don't want to be like this rich young ruler. Maybe we want to be like the first part of him that runs and kneels and ask you questions about eternity. We, we want to be like them in terms of uh, moral character and, and, and not, you know, not going against your holy law. But Father, let us never bank on that as a means to salvation. That ain't what saves us. Because if we get in on behavior, we got to stay in on behavior. It's impossible. And so Father, I pray today that you would work on somebody's heart. Somebody that grew up real religious. Somebody that grew up in church and they, they grew up real, real, real religious and they, they think it is their earning of salvation. But Father, would you peel that away and help them to realize they can't ever earn perfection. It's by the work of Christ. So we honor you. We trust you and we believe, oh God, that you will ransom hearts because that's what you said you would do. Christ, they might give glory. Amen.